balances, ironically, the one thing you're physically incapable of doing. Welcome to Christ in the Chaos, where a pastor's kid and a kids ministry director talk about raising a Christ-centered family. We're not sure we know what we're doing, but we are right in the thick of it. And this is how we're finding Christ in the Chaos. Welcome back to Christ in the Chaos. Uh, This is Kathleen here with my husband, Joel. I like that you said, uh, before that. Well, you just nodded at me to start. <laughs> like, like, I usually I? you point what am I doing here? and do a cheesy smile when it's time to start. And today you just nodded. So I didn't cheesy know. Cheesy smile? That's hurtful. It's like your radio smile. Like beautiful smile. Your hair's getting really long. On an unrelated note. Um, today we're talking about balancing the different areas of your life. Um, it was originally going to come out of the work-life balance idea, but then I realized that there is more going on than work and life um, and decided against it. Um, so we're calling it balancing the different areas of your life, um, how to find a godly balance and intentionally pursue it. Um, but before we get into that topic, time to check in. Yeah, this is the fam- weekly family check-in. This is when we all check in with our family. So use this as an excuse to check in with your family, see how they're doing. And like, you know, actually look them in the eyes and say, how are you doing? Oh, how am I doing? Maybe you're supposed to ask me. Oh, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, we had a busy weekend. We had a birthday party and a graduation and a swim meet where a kid cried a bunch. And I thought we should quit swimming because <sighs> it's a dumb sport anyways. Go listen to our sports episode. Oh, wow. It's not going well, guys. And We could do a whole episode on Dane's swimming career up yeah, until this point. We probably will. Um, it. I'm good, though. I mean, other than that, I'm good. I feel all right. I'm getting over a cold, but I'm getting over it. It's too dang hot here. Yeah. Other than that, but at least it's not humid. I don't know. How are you doing? <laughs> How is the weather, Joel? That's what they all really want to know. That's the deep, hard-hitting... Um... You know what, though? That's part of the check-in, because the heat, like, sucks your energy, so That's you're true. always tired. That's true. Um, I'm... Feeling so much better. Last week was literally so busy that I had like a minute by minute schedule to remind me like what I needed to be doing at any given time. And then even after I made my minute by minute schedule, we kept having to go off of it because like things were changing and things would go a different direction. And it was so much to think about that when I like woke up this Monday morning to like do our life, I was like, oh, I don't have a thousand personal errands to do. Um, I still am getting closer and closer to our um, big camp and it's still getting scarier and scarier, but it's really like only scary because right now I'm still trying to work within like the general confines of my hours at work. And if I just work five extra hours the next two or three weeks, I should be pretty golden. Um, Yeah, just work five extra hours for free. Not for free. I have a salary job. Sometimes I'm going to have to work more than my allotted hours and sometimes I work less. Today we're talking about balancing the different areas of your life and the areas that we're mainly talking about are work, kids, marriage, self, church, life, and other relationships. So everything. We're talking about everything. Well, I mean, that's the thing is that those are the things that take up time and energy in my life. I actually imagine that other people have other 
things. Other categories besides family, work, and personal? No. I mean, I don't know. Maybe somebody will respond with like, hey, you didn't think about this. But generally, you'll find that I was thinking about different things that could take time that they fall into one of those categories. Work, kids, marriage, self, church, and other relationships. Um, But the first thing I wanted to start up with is the idea of like what a godly balance is. And the answer is that there's no objectively right balance for any one person. And there's no one balance that works for one person indefinitely. Um, So some examples of that is a person with a disabled child will always expend more time and energy caring for that child. Or a monk, for example, is always going to expend virtually all their time and energy um, doing what I've inelegantly defined as church life in spiritual life yes is what most people go well except for even spiritual life i think some of it falls into self-care um so it there's a lot of overlap so yes but also but the monk would also be involved in that Um, the point is is that no one's balance is going to be perfect for you and your balance won't be perfect for other people and the balance that is perfect and godly for your life right now what god wants you to do right now probably isn't necessarily going to be what he wants you to do in 10 years well, and, and the other thing is all of those examples are some are a response to a calling, right? A monk is responding to a calling from God. The parent of a disabled child is responding to a call from God to care for that child. Um, and so the areas of our lives don't have to be evenly balanced. The areas of our lives are well balanced when time and energy is intentionally allocated in an effort to obey the will of God. So if you look to Matthew 6, 31 through 33, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So that takes us to our process of looking for balance. So what does that process look like? Um, We kind of came up with a three-step process. Um, First, ask God where he is calling you to expend your time and energy. Then listen through that we interwoven prayer, scripture, Holy Spirit, and circumstances of where he actually is giving you or calling you to, and then respond with intentionality. Um, So if God wants you to spend more time with your kids um, or on a certain ministry or on your marriage, um, you're not going to do it perfectly. But at least do it on purpose. Yes, that's exactly right. So when you're saying yes to what God is calling you to, um, it means you're going to have to say no to things. And it also might mean you might say we have to say no to really good things or things that at least appear to be godly and good. Um, so like, for example, hiring a babysitter to go on a date, even when going on that yeah, date makes you feel guilty. you're the feels guilty about hiring a babysitter. <laughs> I, she doesn't feel guilty about hiring a babysitter because she's leaving her kids. She feels guilty that she's not working. She's using childcare. And is not using that childcare yes, time to work. You're right. I feel guilty because I, I'm neglecting the ministry, not because I'm neglecting my kids. Because I don't feel like I'm neglecting my kids most of the time. Um, foregoing a promotional promotion opportunity because it would detract from your family or your ministry or something else that God is calling you to. Um, generally, we think of promotions as being inherently good. Um, but it's, I mean, we've all seen like Elf, right? Like, or like all of, you know, how like every movie is all about like, the person becoming worldly successful and then like quitting their job at the end spoilers um, because it hasn't actually made them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's like, there's a real, there's like a Hollywood trope of that, but it's also a real thing. Yeah. Cause it's something we're really bad at as a species. Um, saying no to like a close friends, probably more like a close friends, kids birthday party because you just have to rest. 
and God is calling you to a time of rest. Um, like all of these things we're talking about get, that you're giving up are like good and holy things, you know, yeah. relationship building, like objectively good things. Yeah. Time with your kids, time with your friends, your job that supports your family. Unless those things are um, disobedient to the will of God. And so keep that's your eyes on the prize. Yes. Oh, very good. Eyes on the prize. Um, so just to repeat, the process is ask God what he's calling you to spend time and energy on. Listen through prayer, scripture, the Holy Spirit and the circumstances that are coming down and respond on purpose. So now to go into some of those priorities that um, get a little out of whack or that we are balancing. The first and most obvious one, because we looked at it, we were, we were originally thinking work-life balance is work. And I think it's the one that gets in the way the most because it's kind of the most demanding thing that we can't really set aside. At some point, you have to go to work. Yes. Yes. And um, it's also the one that the culture puts the most pressure on us to um, prioritize. Um, for us, ironically, you have a worldly job that I think you do a very good job of balancing. We kind of talk, talked about it a little bit. You kind of felt like you were unambitious. I thought that you were a great father and husband. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> um, I, and it's not that you're not ambitious. It's just that you value your time with us and you value your commitment to us. And, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we picked our life to be balanced for us so we wouldn't have to balance it. I picked my job where I work because the work-life balance was kind of built into the job. Mm -hmm. You picked your job because the ministry the kids. kids balance was built into the job. It was, it's not a full-time job, even though it might take up a full-time no, energy, I, I... but it, you know, you, and you could bring the kids to work yes. and you know, they go to preschool on campus and, 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 and so I think part of that intentionality of looking at what you want and then it's not about what I want. It's about, but well, that's really what it is though. You're, you're right, rolling sorry. your eyes at me. Looking at what God wants for you and we, and then picking scenarios that put you in that place. Intentionally pursuing yes, it. Instead of saying, well, I will take this you know job at this big company that's 80 hours, but I'll cut back and spend time with my family when I need to. Cause you won't. We both felt that God wanted me to be more in the home than not. And I would say the one surprise of our scenario is that while you have a well-balanced work life, life, um, I don't, um, because I'm so kind of passionate and obsessed with my job. Um, even though time-wise I have a good work-life balance and I do, do get to be with the kids, um, a lot of the time, one of the distractions from the other areas of her life is my obsession with the success of our ministry. Um, and it drives Certainly an emotional distraction, yes. if not a time distraction. Yes, I agree. It's an energy distraction. It's a huge energy distraction. So why do we tend to work so much? Why does this get so out of balance? Um, because we're comparing our grades to yeah. everyone else. Yes. This kind of goes into we our, we have to be the best. Our previous episode about co comparison, um, that idol of achievement, um, our worth is in our success. Um, and at our work, and that's why we prioritize it. This is like so true for so many people. For everyone. I mean, well, to some know, extent, yes. We all buy yes. brand name sunglasses, even though the non-brand name ones are just as good because, you know, you want to look cool. 
looking cool is it's a disease. It's an idol that gets us. And kind of even taking taking it da- back one step too, like you know we want to achieve, so we spend a lot of time at work. But the other thing is there is um like our this is going to sound very judgmental, but boomer bosses in particular are all about the gritty hard work and less about smart work or like you know does that make sense Mm. there's definitely a culture of the previous generation that being committed to your job is a sign of character um and that has kind of snowballed into an overcommitment to our vocation where a vocation is not our call from god yeah and i think Right. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. When, when it's about your selfish ambition and your keeping up with the Joneses in comparison, mm-hmm. you're inviting in the demonic. And you're just, you're not. It's not going to work, practically speaking. It's just not going to get you what you want. Um, there's also the issue of money becoming your master. Um, we, neither one of us has the issue of working for money on the gaining end, but we do have the tendency to worry about it on the fear end. Um, I, it's not that I want more wealth and that I want to be richer. It's that I don't want to be, and the thing is, I'm not afraid of being insecure. I'm afraid of appearing to be irresponsible. That is a bigger fear for me than um, than not being able to pay the bills yeah. because my part of that is privilege. My I know my parents will bail me out if something really went wrong. Um, yeah, I would be taken but care it's of. Still, that relying on your bank account to be your protection, even if it works, it won't feel like it's working. Yep, there's always because that it's insecurity. Not, it's not God. You can shove it into the hole, the God shaped hole in your heart, but it won't. <laughs> Fill it. Or the, or the literal hole in the ground, like uh, was a parable of the talents where yes. the guy like literally it hides it away. You, um, you can't rely on it because it's it's irreliable. It, I mean, money crashes. Stock markets crash. It happens. Um, and, and that was something we talked about, that worldly culture shames you for not prioritizing your job. Um, th- I mean, just to be clear, we're walking a thin line here. Um, it's when we're talking about taking care of your family. And uh, making sure that everybody has what they need and and doing your part as part of your family. It's not what we're talking about. But that worldly culture that says, like, if you, it's almost like the customer is always right. Points, you could score more points. Uh, but no. Else. And if you don't score more points and if you're not trying, you're kind of a loser. Yeah. And I don't buy into that. And, and Jesus doesn't buy into that. And um, it's not that you shouldn't work hard at your job or do good at your job or care about your job. Your job isn't probably important, and you doing a good job at it is certainly important, but you can't let it get in the way of life. You can't get it, let it get in the way of what is important in life, right? The reason you're working is to take care of your family, and if your work is getting in the way of taking care of your family, yes. you probably need to rethink priorities. The one thing I was going to say about the culture of hard work being really important in the workplace is that that hard work, gritty um, feed your family, button the chair, all of those things. They're all changing with our generation. Our generation is um, pushing back on work-life balance. The next area of life that we have to balance is 
the care of our kids. And why we prioritize it? Um, because it seems like the right and competent thing to do, I guess. Because they'll starve to death without us. <laughs> um, and many times it is right. I mean, there's a lot of people out there who don't adequately prioritize their kids' interests, but the reality is that most of them aren't listening to a podcast on how to raise a Christ-centered family. So we're not going to talk to those people that are not taking care of their kids properly um, or some of them who just don't know. how. We're not going to prioritize them. We're not going to prioritize that group. Um, But actually, to kind of get you started, if you really want to dive deep into this topic and you haven't already listened to episode 11, um, I think it's probably one of the most um, thought-provoking episodes about overtaking care of your kids or over-prioritizing your kids. Which is hard because it's easy to focus on, they need you. They need you to survive. Yes. They need your attention to grow up healthy. They need your love. You have to say no to them sometimes. Just they have to know that people say no to them. You say no to them. And and you should say no to the things about them that unnecessarily or that that suck your time and energy. like. Um, signing them up for every possible thing that you have to cart them around to so that they don't miss out on an experience without going to God and, and asking, is this a thing that we should do? Yeah, you probably shouldn't when you're sitting on the couch playing on your phone and your kid says, Daddy, will you play Legos with me? That's not the time to say no. <laughs> oh, right. And that's just, I mean, random example that doesn't happen to me every night. <laughs> but yeah. Every sport, your kid doesn't need to play every sport. Yeah, no, I, they I don't need to go to every club. This is the most hypocritical thing that I have ever put on this podcast because I want our kids to do everything. Um, yeah. and, have and every it's not out of and go no, to every place, but it's not even out of a desire for them to like try everything or experience everything. It's more of a like, I don't want to be halfway through a swim season and be the family on the side that didn't sign up. And then feel left out. It's like FOMO is like leading the way. And it's making me over schedule and over prioritize the kids. Um, on the flip side of that, like I don't have any good reason for Dane to be in like gymnastics. He's a five-year-old boy that's never going to be a gymnast. But his gymnastics coach and him have a real connection. And yeah, they're he, like weirdly good friends. Yeah, well, he seems to really... Um, feed off that connection and grow and 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 challenge himself because of their relationship. It's like that is a good reason to keep him in the activity. Yeah. Um. But as opposed FOMO to saying activity not. that takes up a hundred hours a week and not he hates swimming. He actually loves practice. He just hates swimming. That's true. They take all the time. And occasionally, God is going to call you to over prioritize. Not over prioritize, but to prioritize or to tip the balance towards taking care for your ki- of your kids. Um, there's like certain seasons of life where kids need more um, attention and they are probably your most important ministry. And um, sometimes you just need to give them that attention and care. One of your kids gets addicted to drugs or has a mental health issue or mm-hmm. is just struggling with bullies at school or is struggling with dyslexia or whatever. There may be a time where you invest a lot in not just your kids, but in one specific kid. And that's fine. Um, it's just a matter. We've talked about this before. When you move through a season, don't be afraid to reevaluate where you are. Yeah. It's a matter of doing it intentionally. Yes. Of not accidentally focusing all your energy on one kid or the other or just your kids. 
It's a matter of by default knowing why are you doing this? Why are we spending all this time doing gymnastics? Because he gets a lot out of it. Why do we go to swim meets? Because he needs to learn to overcome his fears. He needs to work through it. Mm-hmm. Why are we doing the things we're doing that are taking up the time and energy? Do we have a reason? If not, maybe we need to rethink it or look for that reason. Why are we doing this? So some of us have a lifelong call. I said that like I do. Um, I, as of right now, I don't think I do. Your call is to care and champion for a kid with lifelong unique needs. Um, if you have a kid with autism or um, that is paralyzed or whatever, like that's a, that is a calling from God to care for that kid. Um, and it's, it's a very hard one because from a worldly perspective, it's not valued. Um, but from a, just if you are one of those people from a godly perspective, it is so important and valued. God is up there literally rubbing your back all of the time and saying you're doing good. Um, and it could just be a time of preparation where you're um, investing in your kids, like when they're very, very young for a short time. Um, and God is preparing you for some other ministry or some other calling. When it comes to your marriage, I think most people have a tendency to under prioritize investment of time and energy in yeah, marriage. I've legally bound this person to me. Yeah. I don't have to put any more energy into it. <laughs> That's so true. Um, and even if people who I think like, oh, they go on trips together or, oh, they spend a lot of time together away from their kids. It honestly tends to be more of like a selfish thing that they do side by side and not genuine investment in their marriage. It's just that they're like both married and happen to like to do the same. Not that, I don't know how to describe that. Nobody over prioritizes their marriage. Let's put it that way. Before it broke, our hot tub was the greatest investment in our marriage because it was something that we spent a lot of money on and we felt really bad about spending money on it. And so we very like stubbornly used it every night. Yeah. And when we got into it for 20 minutes a night, 15 minutes a night, kids couldn't come in. The kids had to go to bed first. And it forced us to sit in a tiny space and stare at each other with no phones. Because you can't have phones in a hot tub. And it, now you can, though, because we have life-proof cases. This podcast brought... <laughs> As I was saying, it's about intentionally forcing, you're finding those systems that force you to prioritize that, to put energy into it. Not even prioritize it above all else, which maybe you should. I'm, but to put energy and time into it. It should leapfrog some of your other things. Let's put it that way. Yeah, you need to remember that this person is your partner for life and maybe you should treat them like you want to live with them for the rest of your life. Not like, okay, we're good, right? We're good. We're stuck. Okay, let's move on and never talk to each other again. I was going to say I've never regretted an investment of time, energy, grace, or money in our marriage. There's never been a time where I've been like, oh, that was a waste. Um, It's always been worth it. And then like all it has done is reveal that it has not been enough. Um. If you want to know what God thinks, if you look to Ephesians 5 of what to do for your marriage, like how important is it and what a priority is? He's like, oh, submit and die, right? Like wives submit to your husbands. Husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So like die for them. Like that's how high he prioritizes it. Like you, (laughs) like I don't think he uses language like that anywhere else. Like especially with a relationship to another person. Um, so when you're talking about like, well, where would God put this or where does God put this according to scripture? Like you should absolutely be giving 
your whole self um, to this endeavor and everything else kind of grows out of it. Um, And there's just no amount of time or energy that you put into your marriage that won't pay you back an emotional an emotional um giving right um forgiveness um like acts of love like knowing them well and speaking to them in their love language in an intentional way all of that stuff just pays back it's always worth it and everything else we talk about we're going to talk about pulling back and doing less and doing less this is the one i think that we Mm. just kind of as a society, you're like, yeah, it's fine. You're married, so you're fine. You don't need to put extra energy in, and you kind of do. Yeah. Now, the next category is something that I feel like has come up in the last, like, five years as a term that I had never heard before the last five years, but is a real thing, which is self-care. I um, care about myself. <laughs> um, and I would, like, try to say that, that we have this well-balanced, but, like, if you listen to you just went back and listened to every episode just at the family check-in. Um, and you're like, how are they doing? We're <laughs> so tired and sick. It's what we are. I'm We're always tired and sick. Like walked up to us in the street and given us hugs and yeah. said, I'm so sorry. Well, they just don't like you very much. Oh, that's fair. But we're talking about things about diet, having an active life, getting sufficient rest, yeah, taking well, care of your medical issues. We're not talking about. Manny's and petties. Yeah. The like, oh, I need self-care. Like an excuse to ignore your responsibilities. We're talking about. You need to prioritize some rest, some health. Remember, you also need to be alive to take care of the other things in your life. And I think that actually diminishes the point to some extent, because now you're just doing self-care for the purposes of setting yourself up for taking care of your kids or doing your work or doing your ministry or whatever. fulfilling your call. Yeah, but I mean, self-care is in and of itself, like, you are a child of God. You, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You matter. Um, and doing the things that you need to do um, to make sure that you are okay is important. I mean, that includes uh, spending time on spiritual growth and prayer as well, which I don't think I threw in there. You know, the worst part, though, what? about grown-up self-care what? is grown-up self-care, if you're really doing self-care, mm-hmm. involves a lot of like good diet and exercise yes yeah, and fun. not like diet like you know losing weight but like diet like eating vegetables and you know being active and we got it you got to do those things it's part of it finding time to exercise finding time to make real food that's important well and i think that we've put too much pressure this is another thing where the world puts too much pressure on us to be perfect in this way instead of to um, give ourselves grace it's like if you don't meet the ideal way of taking care of yourself, you are failing and you might as well give up. Um, my two practical pieces of advice with regard to self-care are to um, know yourself and what recharges you and what um, helps your body and your mind and your heart to stay on track. Um, if you like, for example, when people touch my feet, it freaks me out. Sometimes I get pedicures because my feet are gross. But it does not make me feel good or relaxed to get a pedicure. It, it is like an anxiety inducing endeavor. Um, now, if you were going to just um, leave me alone in the back of the house with my book for an hour and a half so that I could read for 25 minutes and then take an hour and five minute nap, that's the best thing in the entire world. I think everyone would um, agree. So it's a matter of knowing how to get the most bang for your buck or the most um, 
um, recharge for your time and then not having impossibly high expectations for yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't need to eat keto. I just need to, um, not eat the third cupcake. And I mean, for some people it would be to not have a cupcake at all, but for me, I'm probably on cupcake number three. And the second I stop myself at number two, we're in good shape. That's a win right there. Yeah, it is. My practical advice, if I had any, don't take my advice, would be not to trust yourself. Just don't rely on self-control to do these things. If you have three cupcakes, throw one out. Yes. Oh, that's true. Or throw two out. Or throw three out. Don't buy the cupcakes to begin with. How do you feel? Work in time where you're going to exercise and then... Set that time aside. Don't say I'll exercise at some point today. Say I will exercise at okay. this time. Coming from you, what do you do for self-care? Because I could answer this for like a long, I actually have a pretty like extensive answer, even though I don't get very good rest. But I feel like I don't even know a single thing you do to take care of yourself. Do you remember that scene in Mary Poppins where Bert is talking to the kids and they're mad at their dad and he says, hey now. When you have a bad day, you go to your mom. When your mom has a bad day, she goes to dad. Who does dad go to? Jesus. I go to Jesus. That's all I got. <laughs> no, I I mean, I think that's worth thinking about because I don't. I take a break at the end of the day. I think you very much under-prioritize self-care and it manifests itself in these kind of like lazy phone binges. And I do love a lazy phone. Binge. Yeah, which maybe is its own kind of self-care. Um, but it's like. I wonder if you could be more, um, get more bang for your buck. Yeah, be more intentional about it. The next category is church life, which is really a poorly named area. Um, But it is something that takes up my time, energy, and I think it takes up normal people's time and energy, even if they're not in ministry. Um, And so I broke that into like three categories, worship and education. Um, That would also include like your small group or Bible study or whatever you do there. Um, Church community time and being part of the body of Christ and ministry and mission. And the reason I lumped worship and education together is that they require like attendance. Um, So I, when it comes to prioritizing your church life, um, this goes back to like an old lame Sunday school lesson where there's like a jar and you have to put the big rock in the jar first, and then you can put the sand so and the gravel the sand in the jar, so that yeah. you can fit. Because if you put the jar, the rock in last, it won't fit because you've already put all the gravel and sand in it. And while it is a very cliche um, illustration, it's the first thing that came to mind. If you do not put your church life ahead of your work life um, or make it the bedrock of your family life and you're raising your kids in your marriage, then um, that rock's not going to fit in that jar. I think this is another one like marriage where. It's always there. And so you're like, oh, it's fine. I don't it's fine. Go to yeah, church yeah. on Sunday. And, and they, God's they're always, always happy always to back. see me when I go. Yeah. So it's <laughs> another one. where you We have are to, happy to see you, by the way. <laughs> you have to look at it like, look, I need to go because if I don't, you won't grow in it. You won't meet people. You won't be involved. You got to get involved to be involved. Okay. So looking at those three categories and worship and education, um, I think the question that you ask yourself and that you're asking God is if I have to get in my car or get my family in my car to drive to church, why, what is, what are we doing with this? Um, if God wants you there, then go. Um, if, if you're going out of obligation, 
or out of some other like or to show that you're um, not to show that you're committed. There is something to that in building uh, a Christian community. But if you're going um, to show off or because you think that ooh, there's good scripture on that. Right. This is like this. The Jesus talks about the, the show of religion instead mm-hmm. of the actual practice of yeah. your heart changing. Um, don't go to put on the show. Uh, I'm rhymed. on team. There's no bad reason to go to church, but I would hope that when you're around God's people, when you're with those people at church, you're getting some fulfillment out of it. You're feeling that presence and growing and being fed by that. And if you're not, I wouldn't say stop going. I would say try and figure out why you're not. Yeah, that's and true. Fix the problem. The second area we talked about with regard to your church life is your church community, being a part of the body of Christ, being together, encouraging each other. We are obviously meant to live this way in church and in community with each other among God's people. The one thing I will say, we talked earlier about how self-care was just a prerequisite to get accomplishing all the other things. But the truth is that being part of a church community feeds all of the other areas mm-hmm. that you need to balance. Like, being a part of a church community makes your marriage stronger. Being a part of a church community makes your kids um, yeah. is, is something that feeds We're your kids. Animals. It we helps do yeah. better in a group. Yeah. Well, and also being a part of a church community helps with your self-improvement. It could mm-hmm. help with your work life in different ways. It doesn't take anything out of balance to be deeply um, immersed in a church community because it it feeds all of the other areas. And I found it to be remarkably easy to jump in. I was kind of nervous because I grew up in a church where I was at the center of that church my entire life. And then we came to a new church and I was like, okay, we're going to be part of this church now. And actually really, if you just show up, you'll be a part of it. And that kind of goes to um, the third topic, which is the, the ministry and the mission and how that fits into the way you balance your life. I think many people tend to underprioritize ministry and mission, their own personal ministry, because they don't want to give up their time and effort and energy, not because they're selfish, but because they're worried that the impact they make will be so small that on balance, it won't make any sense. Um, So specifically, why would I give up my time and energy if my impact isn't great? Why would I take time away from my kids if I'm not making an impact with my ministry? Why would I... um, take time off of work to serve at VBS um, just to be a crew leader. You know, like those things that on balance, you're not really sure if it's right. And that is just another one of seek the will of God. If God is calling you to take time off of work to go serve for a week at camp, or if God is calling you to put your kids in some sort of childcare situation so that you can go um, do some sort of ministry at a homeless shelter, then, then that is what you should do and not be worried about how big of an impact you're going to make or how you compare to other people. It's about being obedient to the will of God. Nothing God asks you to do is insignificant, and nothing people do is insignificant. Anything you do for another person will be significant. The last area we talked about is relationship with others. And I don't have a ton to like dig into on this one, but we're talking about friends and family relationships outside the church. Um, we're getting better at this one. It's hard to coordinate with other people, but it's important because sometimes important Actually, things are hard to yeah. say. We're going to, you know, instead of just going to lunch, we're going to schedule our lunch with another family. We're going to schedule our movie trip with another family. Yeah. To 
to work around other people's schedules and other people's behaviors and other people's, you know, favorite movies, food or whatever, it can be hard, but it's always worth it. Well, and it's not about like, maybe you are, maybe you don't need to go to your kids, um, some, uh, classmate of theirs sixth birthday party but if you are seeking the will of god and god is saying you know you should go to this there's a reason for that right you are being called to go um, meet someone or to interact with somebody or to set some sort of example for your kid there's Mm -hmm. all kinds of reasons god it's it's a matter of being in that constant state of should i go to this what sacrifices should i make what priorities should I prioritize? What should I do today or this month or this year? And um, being in that constant state of seeking that, because even though those other relationships don't necessarily seem supremely important, God can do great things with them. And that pretty nicely sums up kind of the whole thing of ask God, where are you calling me and why are you calling me to do this? Listen. Read, pray, take that time to be quiet and listen for that small, still voice. See what God is asking you to do and then respond with thought and intentionally do things on purpose. Even if it's not perfect. Before we get to our next segment, we want to give a little teaser of next week because it's a audience participation week. (laughs) Um, We are going to be trying to type ourselves using the Enneagram system. And um, chatting about personality tests, I have never looked into my Enneagram number. And now I'm curious and curious enough to dig into it. But I'm actually even more curious about what yours is and what that's going to say about you. Yeah. So look into that. We'll put a link in the description so you can look it up and figure out what yours is so that we can talk about it next week and you can see what you think. And now we can get to our next segment. So that came up. This week, our that came up is actually something that Kathleen came up with that I really like. Because our eldest is at the age of, are we almost there? Are we there yet? Except for his, are we almost there? That's what he always says. Are we almost there? Are we almost there? Let's get like three times in 30 seconds. It's remarkable how persistent that child can be. (laughs) And... Kathleen started just saying yes. <laughs> just, yeah. Are we almost there? Yes. How long? I don't know, 10 minutes? I know. I guess. I guess. Sure. Pretty accurately. Most of the time, I, he says, I'll be, he says, are we almost there? Even if we're 40 minutes away, I'll be like, oh, I'm probably about 40 minutes. And the little jerk often goes, Alexa, set timer for 40 minutes, which we have in our car, um, a Garmin, Alexa, whatever. But, um, but it's yeah. like solves the problem. Of your mind, of getting irritated with it, every single time he asks, are we almost there? I just say yes. A remarkable strategy that I hadn't thought of, of just answering his question when he asks a question. Well, except for I, I've farmed out actually thinking about whether or not I'm going to, you know, that's, that yeah. is what is irritating about that question, is that if you were going to genuinely answer it, you would have to sit there and, and do value judgments in the mind of a five-year-old. Yeah. And no, I'm not going to do. What does almost mean? Yeah, what yeah. does almost mean? Not going to answer it. We are almost there. We are almost there. All right, Kathleen, pray us out. Lord, help us to find the balance in our life, the godly balance that 
you want for us to have continuously and help us to see exactly where you're sending us, where you want us to put our time, our emotional energy, our physical energy. Um, Help us to hear you, to see you, to see the opportunities you're putting before us. And when we respond, Lord, help us to do it with intentionality and to have grace for ourselves when we misprioritize what we should be doing. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Please take a second to rate and subscribe to this podcast. It helps others to find us and to be hashtag blessed by the discussions that we have here. If you want to contact us, you can reach us on Instagram at Christ in the Chaos, or you can email us at Christ in the Chaos pod at email.com. Until next week, we hope you have a peaceful week. But even if you don't, remember that you can find us and Jesus waiting for you in the chaos.